Episode 18. There are so many amazing places to fish, it's doubtful any of us fishing junkies will ever be able to hit them all, but we can certainly do the next best thing, experience them through the eyes of fellow avid anglers who share their most epic adventures with us. Sign up to be our guest on the show today at www.tell.fish slash guest. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. All right, well, welcome to the show. Today's guest is Captain Ed McCormick. Captain Ed, welcome aboard. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Oh, absolutely. Well, you have some uh, pretty incredible uh, pictures on your websites and in your posts. So this this is an interview I've been looking forward to here for a little while because uh, um, I know we're going to have some epic stuff to talk about. But before we jump into all of that, why don't you just give us a little background on yourself? Well, um, originally before I started guiding, I was actually a corporate pilot, okay. and um, a lot of people. A lot of people ask me why I still don't do that anymore, and they think that I was making tons of money doing it, and it was an adrenaline rush and all that type of thing, but um, it actually was for me anyway. It was uh, kind of a boring type of job because there's a lot of sitting around, mm-hmm. and um, unless you have a high tolerance to boredom, you know, it's it's really not the job for you, but I spent most of my life trying to get there, so I, I did put the time in, and I was a professional pilot for about eight or nine years. Um but uh, as time went on, I just realized it wasn't something I was going to do for the rest of my life. There was just no way I could sit in that many hotel rooms. Um, right. So I decided to uh, kind of teach myself web design and go get my captain's license mm-hmm. on the weekends. And I went and did that. And um, from there, I started Florida Bowfishing Charters. And uh, that kind of spawned out of the gator hunts we were doing. Before I ever started to guide or anything, we... We, we did gator hunts on a personal level, and we bought so much bow fishing gear to mm-hmm. do that um, that I asked a friend of mine, I said, hey, what can we do with this bow fishing gear the rest of the years if we spend so much on it for just the, the summer here for the gators? He said, I think you can shoot those gar things. Mm-hmm. I said, really? I said, where do you do that? You know. So we ended up going out in a 14-foot John boat, literally with D-cell mag lights, and looking for gar and thought it was the greatest thing ever. This was before generators, halogens. We didn't put any of that on there. We still were having a blast. So it kind of culminated from something as simple as that. And then I realized that um, there was only one or two guys in the whole state that were doing it. None of them were in the Orlando area. Right. So I kind of just went at it full force. And, and from there, I just kind of grew the business. And then um, the more I was out there, the more things I realized people wanted to do, and I kind of just taught myself along the way, and now we do everything from sharks to crabs to bow fishing to gator hunts. I mean, it's it's pretty much, if it's in Florida and it's dangerous, I chase it. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely went from one extreme to the other to uh, kind of boredom and sitting around to uh, some of the most uh, interesting and probably adrenaline rush uh, things that you could possibly do here in Florida. Yes, for sure, for sure. I mean, I get hit in the head weekly by shark tails, and, you know, starting tonight, as a matter of fact, it's kind of funny we're doing it, but uh, starting tonight, I'll be doing the, the, the gator season, so, um, you know, oh, I'll be yeah. 
dealing with gators biting the side of the boat tonight. So yeah, it's definitely much more exciting than sitting in an airport terminal all day waiting for passengers. So. No doubt. So so talk to me a little bit about bow fishing for for gators because I, I've seen here in Florida the, the the guys going out with the rod and the reels and they get them on hook and line. I don't know that I've ever seen uh, shooting the gators uh, to get them on the line. It's a little bit more challenging. The reason a lot of guys use the snatch hooks on the rod and reel is because you can cast so far over them. It's a a pretty heavy-weighted hook. So um, if you're good at casting, I mean, you can cast that thing, you know, 50 50 yards easy and then get the line over them and then kind of snatch them before they even know what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. The reason I do it with the bow is because pretty much my clientele base wants to do everything either with a bow or a crossbow just because I deal with hunters, not just people who want a gator in general. Right. So, um, the way we do it is, um, at night we spot them first with the, with a high powered light. Mm-hmm. So we see their eyes reflecting. And then once we realize we have one out there, we shut down the main motor and then we turn on the trolling motor and we slowly sneak up to the gator and it's really just spot and stalk on the water is what it is. And you have to not go too fast because they'll hear the boat coming, mm-hmm. but you can't go too slow where they kind of get ahead of you either. Right. And, um, it's, it's a game that you got to play with them and you slowly, you know, kind of read the gator and it takes time. I've been doing it um, over 10 years now. So you kind of get a feel for what the gator's doing or if you're getting a little too spooky. Mm-hmm. And, um, pretty much once we get within the zone, most of my customers shoot the gators anywhere from three to five yards in front of the boat, sometimes even closer. Wow. Up close and personal, huh? Yes, definitely for sure. And a lot of people fall apart in those last five yards because, when you're out there in the pitch black in a swamp at night and there's a full-size 10-foot <laughs> gator with his back blowed up and he's swimming right in front of the boat and he doesn't know that you're there, that's uh, that's pretty overwhelming even for the, the seasoned hunters out there. Oh, yeah, and I bet that never gets old for you either. No, no, my heart jumps out of my chest, I mean, for six weeks straight. So <laughs> oh, man. it's definitely a rush every night. That is cool. So are, are most of your, uh, well, I don't know whether we call them hunters or anglers at, at this point uh, that go out with you to do the gator hunting. Are they accomplished shooters or do you have to often uh, walk people through and, and kind of teach them how to shoot before they go out and do that? Um, well, what I do with the, the people that are looking to get a gator that may not be an experienced bow hunter mm-hmm. um, is because in Florida we're allowed to use a bow, a crossbow, or a harpoon mm-hmm. legally at night. Um, what I do for them is I have a bass chair that I stick in the front of the boat. Mm-hmm. And so they sit down. And um, so, uh, you know, sometimes we get younger shooters or we may get a woman. Like, for some reason, a lot of women choose a gator as their first animal to go after when they get into hunting. Really? Why that is, I still, yeah. Why that is, I still don't know. But we, we get a lot of women where the first thing they want to go for is a gator. So um, in, in that case, because, you know, sometimes younger shooters or, or women can't really draw too heavy a weight to punch through that, that leather and bone. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a crossbow yeah. and what we do is the person sits on the bass chair and I've got a set of shooting sticks mm-hmm. and, um, the crossbow's rigged with a laser and they basically put the crossbow on the shooting sticks yep. and then I start stalking my way to the gator. And once we get in that zone, um, they put the laser on the back of the gator's neck and they pull the trigger and then the bow fishing line goes into the gator with the float. And that's really the most effective method that we have for, right. for the way we do it. And and all and all heck breaks loose, I bet, as soon as that happens. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything changes after that. <laughs> so, yeah. So now are you using different line for, for these gators than you would for just regular bow fishing? 
Yes, it's a little bit heavier. The normal bow fishing line is the 200-pound mm-hmm. um, Dacron, and um, for the gators, we use what's called 400-pound fast flight, and okay. it's a um, it's a tighter barrel weave. It, it, it uh, kind of is a little bit more abrasion resistant than the 200-pound, and um, and once that's in there, they're pretty much it. I, rarely have I seen that break, but we always put in at least a second arrow. Just okay. in case, because you never kind of know what that first one's going to go through. Yeah. Um, and if it's a really big gator, we'll put three lines in them, because I have seen two breaks in the middle of the fight. And then you're just hand-lining them in after that? Yeah, if you hand-line them in, I mean, a lot of times, believe it or not, people don't realize it until they do it, but the gators are strong enough to pull the boat around. And I've got a 20-foot aluminum boat that weighs over 2,000 pounds, and mm-hmm. he'll drag us around like a float. Oh, yeah. Oh, I bet so. But they're but they're not going to tip that boat. That's a good, nice, safe boat. No, no. Nope. Yeah, and I've, I've even gotten them in, in uh, smaller boats than that. And they don't really tip it. They just drag it around a little bit mm-hmm. so they get tired out. And then we just slowly ease them to the boat, and then we get another line in them. I always tell people don't fight them like a fish or try to yank on it because you never know what that first you know shot is like. You don't know how it's hanging on. So mm-hmm. we gently bring them to the boat until we get that second line. And then when we're confident that we have two lines in them, you can manhandle them a little bit more after that. But uh, right. like I said, on a really big gator over 10 feet, I'll put three lines just for insurance because, you know, for some people, that's the trophy of a lifetime. Oh, yeah. And so then when you finally get them both side, you're you're hitting them with a bang stick? Is that how you finish Correct. the fight? Okay. Yep. Correct. Yep. We hit them with a 44 Magnum bang stick, mm-hmm. and then we gap them, bring them in, tape them up. And a lot of times with my customers, if they've gotten their own tag, they have two to fill. So we'll pull that one in the boat, and we'll go get their second one. And and have you ever had one uh, open its eyes and mouth on the on the deck after you thought it was uh, dispatched already? Yes, yes, they do, they do it often. That's why on, on my boat, we, there's a way, uh, there's a method where we cut put a slice in the back of the neck, mm-hmm. and then we break the spine, and oh, then we bring okay. them in, and that's just an insurance policy. So in case when we do have them in the boat, they do come back alive. But even with that. I've had them start crawling their way to the back of the boat while I'm trying to stalk another gator. And, uh, you know, you get some pretty <laughs> interesting looks when they do that from the customers. So. Oh, for sure. I bet you sure do. Oh, man. Well, that sounds like a, a lot of fun. And um, when we get back, Captain Ed is going to talk about something that is uh, equally, if not more fun, bow fishing and saltwater fishing all in the same excursion. Stay tuned. Live bait is often the difference between an epic day and a slow day of fishing. On my last vacation, we were fishing for snook on the beach. The fish were there, but the bait was not. So, I ended up driving my boat a mile away to catch bait and then transported them back to the spot on the beach with a five-gallon bucket. However, in the hot Florida sun, that plan did not work out so well. But now, i found a much better portable option for keeping bait alive on the boat and on shore. Visit tell.fish slash gear to check it out. That's tell.fish slash gear. All right, we are back with Captain Ed McCormick, and we've just been talking about some epic gator hunting but uh, with bows, but that's not even the main event today. Um, we're going to be talking about some other bow fishing and saltwater fishing, correct? Yes, yep. Yeah, we do um, We do a bunch of different bow fishing up here. The, the unique thing about the Crystal River area is um, I used to do my charters in Orlando and Tampa when I used to live in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to travel to Tampa to do the saltwater portion for people that wanted to shoot stingrays. Mm-hmm. And then um, when they wanted to shoot gar, then we would go in the St. John's River in Orlando and okay. do the freshwater 
in there. Yeah, that's um, that's where we. I, yeah, we, I was just gonna say that's where we actually do our bow fishing up in the St. John's area. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a great place to do it, and I did it in there for years. Um, but at some point, Orlando got a little bit too much traffic for me, and I decided to relocate <laughs> to a little quieter spot in the state. So I came up here to the nature coast, and um, I found out quickly that um, up here in the flats, it's pretty cool where we can shoot a three to five foot long nose bar, and literally within a minute or two later, you can be shooting a stingray in the exact same water. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a neat estuary so over there. Yeah, just tell everybody yeah. a little bit about that area. That that it's not, you know, when you think of the Gulf Coast of Florida, a lot of people think you just go down to the Gulf and there's a nice sandy beach, but it's it's really different in your area. Can you just describe it a little bit for people? Yeah, yeah, from from about um, you know, about 10 or 20 miles south of Homosassa, which is south of Crystal River, and then working its way all the way up into um the, the bend in Florida right there, the big bend, um, most of the coastline um, in that area right there is protected coastline. Yeah. So there is no beaches. There are no hotels right on the water. Um, it is a completely protected um, coastline, which is why they call it the nature coast. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, there really isn't a lot of people who live up here. Um, you know, Florida's coastline is what attracts most of the people, and they live on all those beachside hotels. But yep. because it's mostly nature on the coast, as well as even for many miles inside of the coast in this particular area, um, we, we're not overpopulated. So you could go fishing on a Saturday and head out, and sometimes the boat ramps are a little bit busy. But other than that, you've pretty much got the gulf to yourself when you go out there. It's, it's the least crowded part of florida to fish or hunting that's for sure yeah and i we, we were just talking a little bit about before the interview that's actually where i would go fishing growing up when we were uh when we would do our saltwater fishing and it's just a beautiful area that i, I our experience was exactly what you just said that uh, it might be a little crowded at the ramp but there's plenty of place to fish out there and always something interesting to see oh yeah i mean at night on my boat fishing trips i think the biggest attraction um, and what gets people to kind of, you know, as, as much as the bow fishing is exciting and it is, and it's nonstop action. Um, I've got dolphins that come and swim with us and hunt with us. They hunt for the fish right next to the boat. And <laughs> when the dolphins come in and they're in the lights, I mean, the bow fishing stops. Everybody will just watch the dolphins fish alongside of us for, I mean, I've even had clients tell me if you're open tomorrow night, we want to come out and just film dolphins tomorrow night for four <laughs> hours. And I bring them back out there and they do that. So it's, it, uh, it, it's really awesome to see manatees swim under the boat and dolphins. And it's truly, truly the nature coast up here. And I love it. It really is a great spot to guide. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful place. And I'd encourage people to come, come visit you there. And, uh, they, they certainly won't be disappointed. Well, Tell us a little bit about you were you were telling me before there was a uh, one spring trip that you did. I was it this past spring? Yes, this past spring. Correct. Okay. Yep. And this was this was a a shoot your bait trip, is that right? Yep, I offer a shoot your bait uh, catch a shark trip. Um most of the time we do those in the same night where we'll do 3 hours of boat fishing mm-hmm. and then we run over to a spot in the flats and I run a chum line there and then we use what we've shot um bait wise. Um, for, to, to catch some bull sharks in the flats. But on this particular trip, because it was a little bit earlier in the spring and the nights were still a little bit cool, um, the clients decided that they would rather go and do a daytime shark trip a couple miles offshore, but still use the, the, the bait that they shot the night before on the bow fishing trip. Okay. Um, so we did that, and they've got, they got plenty of stingrays and mullet and all that to fill the bucket with, and I brought that home and kept it cool for the following morning. 
Um, and then we decided to go offshore. And when we did, it was just the right day, the right temperature. And it was originally supposed to be a five hour charter, mm-hmm. which is our half day trip. Yeah. And, um, quickly they just kept adding hours to it because the poles were bending <laughs> for literally the entire time we were out there. We had cobia under the boat. We had black tip sharks. We caught so many that we literally lost count. We were tagging a few for gray fish tag research. So uh-huh. we got to name a few sharks. Oh, wow. uh, and then we caught big charts as well. So, I mean, it was pretty much 11 hours of nonstop fishing. So, what was that last shark you said that you caught? Um, tiger sharks, which Tigers. up here in the nature coast. Yeah, tiger sharks. Up here in the nature coast, um, they're actually fairly common. Mm-hmm. Not as common as a black tip or anything like that. But on every trip, we usually will get one um, or say every two trips we'll get one. And there's people that have shark fished their whole life and not even seen a tiger shark. Yeah. So, um, to be able to come here and catch one of those is, is, uh, is, a, is a treat even for the, the seasoned angler that's been shark fishing before. Wow. So so on this particular day, you say you actually went out farther than, than you normally go? Is that right? Yeah. On the combination trips, um, just for the sake of time, we, we do them right in the flat. So they'll go fish for the bait in the flats, and then I've got another spot that's pretty close to the gulf but still in the flats where – We'll catch bull sharks at night, and those are the bull sharks anywhere from the three to five foot range, mm-hmm. which on light tackle is a you know is a fight for anyone. Oh yeah. Um, but sometimes, sometimes when somebody wants to get a little bit more variety, um, then we'll go about four or five miles offshore to a spot I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, here in the nature coast, when you go out that way, it's we're still in twelve feet of water. That's it. We're five yeah. miles offshore. You have to go about twenty miles to find twenty feet of water here. So okay. Um, it's nice and calm. You don't have to worry about it being a you know a rough day on the water. If it's rough, we don't even go. But for us, rough is like over two footers. I mean, we're used to it being like a lake out there. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, we just went out there, and you can just catch everything from kobe to tiger sharks to black tips to spinners. I mean, you just never know what you're going to catch out there. No oh, man. So when you when you take these stingrays out, you you said you were setting out a a, a chum slick, uh, but do you how, how do you do the stingrays? You just cut them up in pieces. I mean, do you ever use a whole stingray for for bait? How does that work? I have used <laughs> I have used a whole stingray before. Um, it's kind of a, a lottery ticket, I call it. We put a whole <laughs> ray on there, and if that gets hit, it's going to be a ride. But I've noticed over over the years that um, even the bigger sharks prefer just the wing. So if we get a, a big, you know, a fairly big stingray, even if he's the size of, let's say, a garbage can lid or so, mm-hmm. I'll just slice one whole wing off of there, which is still a huge chunk of bait. And um, we float that out there, and when that thing gets picked up, we know what it is. I mean, there's no questioning. It's not going to be a black tip because, you know, <laughs> a black tip's not going to fit that in his mouth. So mm-hmm. it's, it's the fight is on. It's usually a big tiger shark. This year, we already we've caught two over 10 feet. So Wow. Boy, and they're, and they're considered to be some of the more aggressive sharks, right? Yes, for sure. Yes, they are definitely the more aggressive, the, the tiger sharks and the bulls, both of which have a high population here in Crystal River. So, Wow, definitely uh, sharks high up on the uh, on the list of, uh, of target sharks to catch, I would guess, then. Oh, yeah, because a lot of people come, and when they, when they catch them, we get really good pictures of them alongside the boat. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, we will tag them um, for great fish tag, and they'll name them. And then some people go as far as that we'll measure them perfectly on the side of the boat, and they'll get them full-mounted and, and sent to them and put on the wall. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal. It really is for a lot of people. Wow. Well, it sounds like a blast, and the fact that you get to uh, shoot your own bait first – and then go out there and wrestle with those magnificent animals. That is a really cool and unique uh, 
adventure that you've put together for people. Yeah, they love it. They really do, especially when they catch it on the specific thing. Because sometimes in the group, you may have two or three people, and, um, you know, it might be somebody else's bait that you happen to catch a rod, all from the same group, but it may be someone else's bait. But when someone catches a big shark on the actual stingray that they shot, either just a couple hours before or the night before, um, that's like a really big deal. So, I mean, they, they really, really enjoy that, and, and it's definitely um, a great story to go home and tell everyone. Oh, no doubt, and that's something uh, that is now on, on my list of uh, fishing adventures to do that I haven't had a chance to yet, but uh, that's pretty epic. And uh, Captain Ed, I'm really appreciative that you uh, came on and shared that story with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, no problem, anytime. Don't forget to visit tell.fish slash gear to get our recommendations on gear that will take your angling adventures to the next level and help make you the next Telltale Fisherman. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.